Hi ladies and welcome to the Amazing Bible Dot Book Club. I am Julie Callio, your host, and thanks so much for taking time out of your busy schedules to tune in with me today. If by chance you want to contact me, you can do that at theab.bc.pc at gmail.com. In today's lesson, we are finishing up book four with the last four chapters, Psalms 103 through 106. W. Robert Godfrey, in his book, Learning to Love the Psalms, calls this section Comfort in the Praise of God, the Creator, and Redeemer. Book four is full of comforting God's people. Two important themes in this book is God as our Creator, which means we are created, and that God is the Redeemer in Israel's past and in the psalmist present and for the generation that is to come. One thing to notice in Psalm 103, the phrase, Bless the Lord, O my soul, begins and ends this psalm. It is mentioned two times in the beginning, and then at the end we have a chorus, Bless the Lord, you his angels. Bless the Lord, all you his host. Bless the Lord, all you works of his hands. Then, bless the Lord, O my soul. In the first section, verses 1 through 5, the psalmist David says, We are to bless the Lord and not to forget his benefits. Then David lists some benefits of knowing the Lord. He pardons our iniquity. He heals our diseases. He redeems our life from the pit. He crowns us with loving kindness and compassion. He satisfies our desires with good things. This song is not a flimsy little chorus, but one with great details and solid doctrine. Then in the next stanza, verses 6 through 14, the psalmist talks of God's covenant with Moses and Israel. The Lord made his way known. And ladies, if these are God's ways, then they are still God's ways, even in the New Testament and even now. Why? Because God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. Because this is a covenant, it's a contract, it's a two-way street. But thankfully, verse 10 says, He has not dealt with us according to our sins, nor rewarded us according to our iniquities. Even in the Old Testament, we see God's grace. But we see that grace, that loving kindness, goes towards those who fear or revere him because it's a two-way street. Then verse 12 is such a beautiful picture of what forgiveness looks like. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. Then the Lord is compared to a compassionate father who remembers our frailty and our limited lifespan. Verses 15 through 18 continue that theme. Our life is poof and then we're gone like grass of the flower of the field. One strong wind and we are no more. But verse 17, the loving kindness of the Lord, his hesed, Loving kindness that's full of mercy is from everlasting to everlasting on those who fear him and to their children's children. 
to those who keep his covenant and remember his precepts. Again, it's a two-way covenant. In verse 14, we see that God remembers us. And then in verse 18, we see those in covenant with the Lord. They remember him and his precepts and his ways. The concluding stanza or strophe in verses 19 through 22 start with, The Lord has prepared his throne in the heavens, and his kingdom ruleth over all. Here we see that there is a king of kings and an eternal kingdom. Then who blesses the Lord? Everything in his kingdom. All his angels who excel in strength, who do his commands, who hear and do the voice of his word. Then all ye his host, or another word for army, who minister unto him, who do the pleasure of the Lord. Then all his works in all places of his dominion. And lastly, bless the Lord, O my soul, because the psalmist is in covenant with the Lord. Then, even though Psalm 104 is anonymous, it starts off just like Psalm 103. Bless the Lord, O my soul. This psalm focuses on God as the creator. This psalm is definitely a psalm of praise. Verses 1 through 4 talks to the Lord. My God, you are very great. You are clothed with splendor and majesty. God covers himself with light. He created the heavens, the waters, the clouds, the wind, and the psalmist describes it beautifully. Verses 5 through 9 continue the creation theme. The earth's foundation, the depths in the waters, the thunders, the mountains, the valleys, and all these have boundaries that they may not pass over. Then in verses 10 through 13, God is over the springs in the valley that flow between the mountain, and these waters give drink to the beast of the field and the birds of the heaven and the earth. Verses 14 through 17, God is over the grass, the vegetation, the wine and food and trees. Verses 18 through 23, God is over the animal kingdom and the sun and the moon and the seasons and the darkness and the light. Verse 24 says, O Lord, how many are your works. In wisdom you have made them all. The earth is full of them and the sea is too. Then in verses 27 through 30, the psalmist declares that it is by the Lord and his spirit that all of creation has life, and without it we return to dust. The last strophe, verses 31 through 35, starts, Let the glory of the Lord endure forever. Let the Lord rejoice in his works. Then verse 33 says, I will sing to the Lord as long as I live. I will sing praise to my God while I have my being. Verse 34, my meditation on him shall be sweet. It will be glad in the Lord. Then in the last verse, we have a reminder of the covenant with the Lord. Verse 35, let the sinners be consumed out of the earth and let the wicked be no more. Bless the Lord, O my soul. Praise ye the Lord. According to Godfrey's book, quote, Meditation takes place in the mind, but also in the mouth. 
The Hebrew word for meditation has the sense of mumble. Meditation is not necessarily a silent activity, but usually includes speaking or singing out our thoughts, unquote. In my Hebrew dictionary, under the word meditation, it has a contemplation, an utterance, babbling, communication, complaint, prayer, and talk. One thing that is important, ladies, if we want to be godly women who please the Lord, we need to do a better job of keeping in check what our brains are thinking about. I just watched in the news tonight that our young people are falling into depression and suicide, and it is becoming an epidemic because of the time that they spend on social media. What we put into our brains affects us. That is one reason why meditating on the Word of God and listening to Christian music is so helpful within our spirit. Another thing that is helpful is to remember a key word throughout these Psalms. Remember how God has worked in our past and in the past of Old Testament times. And that is what David shows us in the next Psalm, Psalm 105. It begins, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, call upon his name, make known his deeds among the people. How do we do that? We sing, speak, and glory in him. We seek him and remember his covenant. Then verses 9 through 17. This covenant the Lord made with Abraham. We see that in Genesis chapter 12 and 15. His oath to Isaac, which is Genesis 26. And then confirmed with Jacob, Genesis 28 and Genesis 32. And during this time, we see God's grace, verses 14 and 15. He permitted no man to oppress them. He reproved kings for their sakes. Do not touch my anointed ones and do my prophets no harm. Then came the famine and God raised up Joseph. That we find in Genesis chapters 37 through 46. Then the Israelites were enslaved in Egypt and God sent Moses his servant and Aaron whom he had chosen And then came the plagues on Egypt. That is found in Exodus chapters 1 through 11. And we are in verse 26 of the psalm. Then 37 says, Then he brought them out with silver and gold. Among his tribe there was not one who stumbled. That was Exodus chapters 12 through 15. Then God led them in the wilderness with a fire by night and a cloud by day. And he provided quail and bread from heaven and water from the rock. We find that in Exodus chapter 16 and 17. Then verse 42 of Psalm 105 says, For he remembered his promise with Abraham his servant, and he brought them out with joy and gladness. And then through Joshua, God gave them the lands of the nation, and they inherited the labor of the people so that they might observe his statues and keep his laws. Praise ye the Lord. Remembering God's faithfulness in the past gave David confidence for the future. Psalm 105 of David ends with praise the Lord. 
And then the anonymous Psalm 106 starts with, Praise the Lord. Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. For his loving kindness, his hesed, is everlasting. Verses 1 through 3, praise the Lord and then declare how blessed are those who keep justice and practice righteousness. Then verses 4 and 5 start with that key word again, remember. The psalmist prays, remember me, O Lord, with the favor that you showed your people. O visit me with your salvation so that I may rejoice in the gladness of the nation, that I may glory with your inheritance. Even though this is a personal prayer, we see the words I and me, yet it is also a person praying for his people. He is interceding for the nation of Israel. Verse 6 begins, We have sinned like our fathers. We have committed iniquity. We have behaved wickedly. This may be the key verse for this psalm, because from here the psalmist reviews various sins of the nation of Israel. The first is found in verses 7 through 12, and this is the sin where the nation of Israel did not believe God would deliver them from the Egyptians when they were by the Red Sea. This is found in Exodus chapter 13 and 14, especially verse 12 of chapter 14 of Exodus. Verse 8 of the psalm says, Nevertheless, he saved them for the sake of his name, that he might make his power known. Verse 12, then they believed his words. This is, of course, after they walked through the water on dry land and the Egyptians were destroyed. Then they believed his words and they sang his praise. And in Exodus chapter 15, we see the song of Moses and of Israel. Then verse 13 says, they quickly forgot his works. And then the psalmist gives six sins the nation of Israel committed in the wilderness. And each section shows the judgment or the mercy that came upon them. Sin number one, verses 13 through 15. They craved meat and tempted God and complained. So he gave them meat, but he also gave disease. Exodus 15, verse 22, and then all of chapter 16. Sin number two. In verses 16 through 18, men rose up against Moses in the camp and the earth swallowed them up and fire consumed the wicked men. This is found in number 16. What is interesting is that in this psalm, Dathan and Abiram are listed, but the ringleader was Korah, but he's not mentioned. Keep in mind that some of the psalms are written by the sons of Korah. So it makes me wonder if one of his relatives may have written this psalm. Sin number three, verses 19 through 23. They made a golden calf and worshipped it. We see that in Exodus chapter 32. The Lord was going to destroy them, but Moses, his chosen one, stood before him in the breach and turned away God's wrath. Sin number four, verses 24 through 27. They refused to enter the promised land because of the giants in the land. We see that in Numbers 14. And God promised that generation would die in the wilderness, but that their children would be able to enter into the promised land. Sin number five, verses 28 through 31. 
They joined together with people of the land to worship Baal and other gods, and a plague broke out among them. We see this in Numbers chapter 25. But Phinehas, who was Aaron's grandson, executed judgment, so the plague was stopped. Verse 31 says about Phinehas, And it was reckoned to him for righteousness to all generations forever. Then sin number 6, verses 32 and 33. The people complained about water again at the waters of strife of Meribah. And this time it even angered Moses and provoked his spirit that he even sinned and spoke unadvisably with his words. This is found in Numbers chapter 20. Then after the new generation of Israel entered the promised land, the next sin was verses 34 through 43. They did not destroy the wicked people like God commanded, and this led them to idol worship. Therefore this time the Lord gave them over to other nations to rule over them and oppress them. Then verse 43 says, Many times he, God, would deliver them. This, ladies, is grace. They, however, were rebellious in their counsel, and so sank down in their iniquity. Then the ending of the psalm ends with verses 44 through 48. Nevertheless, what a beautiful word. He looked on their distress. He heard their cry. He remembered his covenant. He relented according to the greatness of his loving kindness, his hesed. He also made them objects of compassion in the presence of all of their captors. Verse 47 says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from the nations to give thanks to your holy name and to glory in your praise. Then verse 48 ends with a praise just like each book of the Psalms does. Blessed be the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting even to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. It is interesting to me that the psalmist points out Moses and Phinehas as interceding for the people, and that is what this prayer, this psalm, is doing. It is saying we have sinned and it's our fault we are in exile and we are pleading with our God that he would pour out his loving kindness which is full of mercy and pour it onto us as he did to our people in the past for the glory of God. So ladies, are you part of this everlasting covenant? Are you glad in the Lord and does he rejoice in you? If yes, then is there someone you need to be praying for that you would be their intercessor? If you are not a part of the covenant with this creator God who is also redeemer God, you can be. Just like in this last psalm, it begins with acknowledging who God is and to recognize he is righteous and holy and the creator God. Number two, recognize that you have sinned like everyone has sinned, and we have all fallen short of the glory of God. Number three, the psalmist understood there was an everlasting covenant with an everlasting kingdom, but the psalmist also realized that this world is fleeting and that there is a heavenly kingdom. 
In 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 10-12, through 12, the Apostle Peter writes, As to this salvation of our souls, the prophets who prophesied of the grace that would come to you made careful searches and inquiries, seeking to know what person or time the Spirit of Christ within them was indicating as he predicted the sufferings of Christ and the glories to follow. It was revealed to them that they were not serving themselves way back then, but you in these things which now have been announced to you through those who preach the gospel to you by the Holy Spirit sent from heaven, things into which angels long to look into. Peter goes on in verse 18, knowing that you were not redeemed with perishable things like silver or gold from your feudal ways of life inherited from your forefathers, but with precious blood as of a lamb, unblemished and spotless, the blood of Jesus Christ. For he was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but has appeared in these last times for your sake who through him are believers in God, who raised him up from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and your hope are in God. Our sin separated us from God, but God sent a better mediator than Moses or Phineas. He sent his perfect son, Jesus, who died on the cross for our sin. He paid the price for our debt. He was our sacrifice. And if we confess our sin, he is faithful and righteous to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And then we are a part of the family of God and of the covenant of Abraham. So ladies, if you hear his voice today, don't harden your hearts. Instead, let's be women who pray and obey. Until next time, and thanks so much for listening.